Hello and welcome to the Thriving on Purpose broadcast. My name is Sebastian Richard and today I'm accompanied by my lovely wife, Elizabeth. And today we're going to be talking about what does it take, what price do you have to pay to have a really strong kingdom marriage? And uh, it might surprise you. They might. We're going to reveal stuff, maybe a personal stuff, but we're going to talk about all kinds of things uh, because it's not a it's not a one thing. It's a, probably a multitudinous. There's many factors, many ingredients that makes for a strong kingdom marriage. But I think this broadcast is going to help a lot of people because uh, in recent years it hasn't been easy for a lot of you. Uh, it's not because you're Christians. Not because you have a strong relationship with the Lord that you're going to have a strong relationship with your spouse. And I had a book years ago called 25 Surprising Marriages. Remember that book, Liz? Yeah. And, and she didn't like that book. She says there's so many stories in that book that disgust me. And what she meant, <laughs> what she meant by that is that there were some marriages of, of great men and women of God that you're like, whoa, this guy must have had a great marriage. And it was disappointing because like they're, they're pioneers. They're no, not pioneers, but uh, pillars in the Christian faith that wrote books that had great ministries. That great, and so great, you assume that they had great marriages. So you assume that all of them had great marriages, but mm-hmm. all of these, that of these 25 surprising marriages, some were great surprises, some were really inspiring. And there were things you wanted to model in your own marriage, but there were others that you're like, wow, how, how is that yeah. even possible? And there were some really horrendous <laughs> marriages in, in that book. But all this to show, like I said, it's not because you have a strong relationship with the Lord mm-hmm. that you're going to have a strong marriage. And we're going to talk about that today uh, in today's episode. Liz? Yeah. So, you know, we, we've we noticed that especially, um, I would say in the last two years, it's been a very, very difficult on a lot of marriages. There's been like a... a um, I would say like a demonic unleashing of, you know, demonic powers that have been really trying to salt and break up marriages, especially since COVID, right? So a lot of people were um, more confined with each other, uh, you know, were in a place where they had to look at their present reality, look at their lives, deciding, you know, I'm dissatisfied with this, dissatisfied with this in my life. And instead of Uh, looking at the real problem, the root of the problem that they can fix, a lot of them pointed the finger at their spouse and said, you know, basically, I'm, I'm through with this marriage, for all kinds of reasons. Um, You know, I don't love you anymore, or I want something else, I'm bored, or, you know, so many other factors that instead of really looking and solving the real problems and saying, hey, let's figure this out together. Um, they they basically, um, you know, decided to separate and, and divorce. And, and, you know, I'm glad you brought that up, Liz, because it's true that in the last two years, people have had to deal with so much more stress. Uh, yeah. We're talking some stress. people have lost their businesses. Mm-hmm. That's a huge stress on marriage. Yeah. Some people lost their jobs. Some people lost uh, parents. Yeah. To like, like the parents were, were died because of, of COVID or whatnot. Uh, so, so there's been a lot of, of uh, trauma in the last couple of years where people have had to undergo all kinds of trials that they're not used to. Right. And that put a strain on a lot of marriages, a lot of Christian marriages busted as a result. Uh, and, and like I said, it's not because you're Christian, it's not because you're married and you're a Christian that it's going to be honky dory and everything's be, it'll, it'll be fine. Yeah, exactly. And you know, the, the, just the confinement, right? Even if you have like two, three kids or whatnot, always in the same house, you know, not being able to really go anywhere and not getting a break that you used to get from your, the grandparents that used to come and take them off your shoulders. Now you're always together 24 yeah. seven for a lot of people that used to go work and get that break, you know, they were working, but they had that, that break, yeah. peaceful environment where they weren't, you know, um, they didn't have kids after them every two seconds or, you know, doing school, trying to do this online school, trying to do their entrepreneurship or trying to do their their job at home with these kids all over the place. I mean, this has been a huge stress and big transition for a lot of people. Some were able to make it work. Others were like, you know, I just can't stand this. I want school to restart. And so this put a lot of stress on a lot of marriages because it was really a, a big shifting and it's like all of a sudden you know the government dictating your life and then you have to kind of you know deal with the 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 falling out of all this and try to make this work and then so a lot of marriages were not 
uh, strong enough or, you know, not rooted enough in, in their, uh, in their love for each other and in Christ and doing the right thing that, you know, it, it just, it just fell apart. But it's nothing new. I mean, if you look at the stats and, and I, I was surprised when I looked at the stats, you know, we, we always like evangelicals or Christians were always pointing, Oh, look at the world. Look at that. Ooh, 50% divorce rate in the world. It's so bad out there. Yeah. In the church, it's not that much better. I mean, I remember reading stats. I think it was like pretty much close to that 50% as well in the church for, mm. for church members. And now yeah. not all church members are believers born again. I'll, I'll take that point. I get it. But it's still alarming that in the church that, that there's not that much of a difference. So it's not like we're lights shining for other people to look at and go like, that's what I want for my marriage. Yeah, Some of a- us are, others not. And, yeah. and that's that's uh, that's something that Satan uses mightily against the body of Christ, separating couples, br- uh, breaking off marriages. And what happens to children? That's the trauma also. Yeah. One of Satan's great tools is this. You 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 cause a divorce in, in a family. The children take the brunt of the trauma. Mm-hmm. Now, I know it's it's dramatic for the, 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 the spouses as well. It's 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 hard to get over a divorce. It's not easy. But. The, the children are young and they're very impressionable and the, and the, the trauma, cause I'm, I know what I'm talking about. I've been through that twice. So I, I can really tell you that it, it messes you up a lot. So the children go through that trauma and then Satan has a, uh, I guess a foothold in the life of that child where he can either acquire a legal right to enter uh, through the, the trauma, through the fear, whatever that, that, that caused he may have a legal right to, to put something in that child's life that shouldn't be there. And the child grows up with, with insecurities, fears, uh, all kinds of problems, maybe emotional problems, all that. And you have to deal with that. So it affects the next generation. Yeah. So that's something we don't often talk about. But Liz, so if if a couple gets married, let's say they're, they're, a, young, they're a young couple. They just got married. They're both Christians. They're both believers. They love the Lord. Uh if they both want a strong marriage, what should they do and what should they expect? Yeah, so um, the reason why we wanted to do this broadcast was also to uh, to remove the paint glasses that a lot of people have. You know, when they first get married in the first couple of years, they have this notion of how, you know, it should be as a Christian couple. And, um, and you know, we've been married for close to 20 years in October and we can tell you, you know, that we've seen a lot of couples around us. We've talked to a lot of seasoned couples. And, you know, there's, there's, it's not because you're married a certain amount of time that your marriage is going to be a good one. I know people that have been married for 30 years that don't have a good marriage. True. And so, you know, it looks cute on the outside. It looks nice. Oh, they've been married 30 years. They, they basically found a way not to bite each other's heads off to live civilized under the same roof, do it for the kids. They live, you know, everything is about their children and their grandchildren. But in reality, the real couple, the foundation of of that relationship does not exist. There's no intimacy. There's no friendship. There's nothing really holding it together. And so oftentimes when the kids leave the nest, that's when they they fight a lot and all kinds of things happen. Sometimes they get divorced. Other times they just basically live uh, under the same roof, but different separate lives. Yeah. So that's why I don't want you to think, oh, you know, well, with time, it's just going to fix itself. I don't really have to do anything. You know, one day I'm going to wake up 20 years later and I'm going to have a great marriage. So what you're saying basically is time is not an ingredient for a strong kingdom marriage. It's not. It's not. So, you know, you can, you can be married five years and have an amazing marriage if you both are willing to work at it. And it's, it's both on your heart to make it successful. And, you know, there's, there's all kinds of factors, right. That come into play. So you have your upbringing, you know, how was he raised? How was I raised? So, um, you know, does he come from a broken home? Does she come from a broken home? There's that factor. So uh, why I mentioned this is because it's harder for somebody that came from a broken home to have a picture of what a real marriage looks like, of what a solid marriage looks like. And there's like. more broken homes today than ever before. And so, so, they, so you can have two people yeah. that came from divorced homes 
and don't really know what a real godly marriage looks like. They don't have that blueprint. Mm -hmm. And then they meet and they marry together. They love each other. They want to do make a great marriage. But when the heat comes and the, and the, the trials come, they don't know how to act and how not to act mm -hmm. because what they've have, have in their blueprint in their minds is, well, my dad used to react like this and my mom used to do this like that. And oftentimes what happens is we tend to, uh, humanly recreate the patterns that we've seen, right? Mm -hmm. So if you're used to seeing your mom react in a certain way to your dad when she when he brings up a topic and she throws pots and pans and she yells at him, then you automatically, because you've seen that for so long, you might get to that point where you end up doing that. Not because you want to, you knew that it was wrong, but you end up doing that because that's where the human nature, you know, kicks in. So that's where, you know, we have to in involve Christ in this and say, Lord, you know, I don't know, you know, how to have a great marriage. I need your help. I need you to show me how to love that person when, when things go that way. And sometimes it might even take some Christian counseling, you know, in the beginning, because depending on what you, you have to deal with and your upbringing, you might have unresolved issues towards your father towards your mother or whatnot mm -hmm. and so that can make things more complicated too in a relationship so sometimes you ha you have to get your own counseling you know christian counseling to uh, be able to kind of um you know deal with those issues and not bring those issues into your marriage and that that was actually an issue for me in the beginning because i had uh unresolved issues with my dad and have the the greatest relationship growing up and, you know, we, we butted heads and all kinds of stuff happened. I lost my mom at a young age and that was hard on, on, uh, the relationship with my dad and I, and it just created a big tsunami in our family life. So there was a lot of pieces, uh, that were broken and there was a lot of, um, hidden wounds there that I had to deal with, that I had to go, uh, consult and, and, you know, talk about these issues and get them out. And, and realize, you know, that I, I can't bring this in my relationship. You know, I'm with somebody completely different and he's not going to be that, um, you know, he's not going to be like my dad. So I have to really get to know this person that I married and know that he's completely different and allow him to make his own mistakes and, and, and grow that relationship and not bring other things from my past. That's good points. And another thing that I've noticed that's very, very important and that is often missing in a lot of Christian marriages is for each, uh, for, for the, the, the husband and the wife to each really take to heart the biblical blueprint of what is required of each of them. For example, yes. me as a husband, what does the Bible say that is required of me as a husband? So same for her. And there's a thing today that's a lot, and I've seen that a lot, uh, um, that there's a, a letting go of that. The, the, the yeah. husbands and the wives, it's like they don't cling to that biblical blueprint as much as they used to because they think, well, those were the traditional roles and we live in different times. Yeah. Uh, true. I mean, we do live in different times. We, we have to adapt. A lot of times both need to work. Uh, one salary isn't enough. And there's all kinds of components that affect the way we live today, that it's harder perhaps to adopt those biblical blueprints and th those biblical roles and to bring them into your home. However, it is of crucial important that you do so and that you basically have the attitude of saying, what does the Lord require of me as a husband? And what does the Lord require of me as a wife? Yeah. See, the problem is oftentimes we like to, to tell the other, what does the Lord require of you? You're not doing the Proverbs 31 thing. You're not like this. You're not like that. And she would do the same thing. And, and that's not what we're supposed to do. Each should have a 100% focus on their part. Yeah. Now, guess what? And this is the biggest secret. It's not really a secret. It's really true. If both parties involved are 100% involved and committed to following the biblical blueprint that God tells them to do, you're going to have a good marriage. Now, here's the problem, though. It's hard. <laughs> so that's the problem. It's hard. 
Uh, I remember our pastor when we were going through uh, uh, pre premarital counseling, uh, premarital course counseling. He told us this, and I thought that was a great uh, point he was making. He said, "If it's important to her, Sebastian, it should become very important to you." Mm-hmm. And he said, "Likewise, Elizabeth, if it's important to Sebastian, guess what? Even if you think it's silly." it should become important to you. So even if you think that what's important to your spouse is silly, irrelevant, uh, capricious, foolish, whatever, pay close attention. Because if your spouse is verbalizing, and guess what? Uh, For me, it's really, really important that you stop uh, doing that. It's a huge pet peeves. Pet peeves are big. Mm -hmm. Pet peeves are big because guess what? When you do things in a certain way and it, and it becomes an accumulation of pet peeves for your spouse and you don't care because they're pet peeves they're like stupidities right oh it's just the way i i do this with the dishwasher or the way i i i put away the vacuum or whatever it is an accumulation of pet peeves can become a mountain of unresolved issues in your marriage they build up and they build up so if it's easy to do it's easy not to do. Always keep that in mind. So if it's easy to do for me to use the dishwasher soap in a certain way or to not let the water run when I brush my teeth, Liz tells me that a lot of the time, but fortunately she does, we have two bathrooms. She doesn't see me wash my teeth downstairs, but when she sees me, I let <laughs> the water run when I brush my teeth. It drives her nuts. So hot, I have to water. Be, uh, hot, <laughs> hot water. <laughs> I have to be careful with that. And I have to, just for the practical side, I mean, it's costing money, right? I have to stop doing that. But the, there's, there's these pet peeves that we need to stop doing because they're easy to do. It's, it's easy to just close the water when I'm brushing my teeth. So it's, if it's easy to do, if it's easy, it's easy not to do as well. So all these pet peeves, if it's important to her, it should become important to me. And the bigger things too. I mean, there's bigger stuff, obviously. And and a lot of, you know, a lot of uh, people also, I want to address this, that, you know, a lot of people are like, well, I want to have a good marriage. So I won't talk about these things because if I do talk about them, I'm going to create some strife and it's going to, you know, bother the person. And, you know, there are certain things that you have to close your eyes on, you know, that you can't like always be on the person's case for everything. They will not completely change. They are who they are. Right. So you have to let and live and let live kind of thing. But there are other things, you know, that really do get under your skin that you need to talk about, because if you don't talk about it, um, it, it, it can blow up. And then the person, you know, that's trying to, say, well, I'm not going to ever say anything because I want to keep, I want to have a great marriage. I want to keep the peace, bottles up this resentment over time. And then you have the other person that's just like, everything's great. And daddy, I could just like live however I want. The person's like so great and always happy and, and seems to, you know, be fine with everything. And usually, usually it's the woman that's bottling it up not saying a word usually and yeah. the, the man is more is oblivious has no idea usually i'm just like you know and then, and then five years down and the road a couple of like maybe a year later then the girl explodes and he's like where did this come i thought from? we had a great marriage what I, happened yeah or you know <laughs> she she lets sin get in her life and then she's starting to look at other people and you know maybe somebody's you know after her at work wants to take her out on a date or whatever. And she sees this person as this wonderful person because she's super annoyed with you at home. Right. So th- these are the dangers that we have to be careful of. And yeah. that's why it's important to be completely honest with each other yes. and to say it in, in a kind way. You don't have to tell the person in a mean way, uh, you know, what bothers you, but you do you remember how we were taught in our premarital uh, course, what he said to do? No, you don't remember. No. He, he said, uh, basically, he said, reassure the person first and then bring up the issue that that is a, a problem. Yeah. It's so true. basically, he said, Lizzie, I love you. And I'm so glad that you're my partner in grace and life in this marriage. However, there's something that I want to talk to you about. Your dirty socks near the bed. It drives <laughs> me crazy. <laughs> so, yeah, I didn't so, remember that. So, so he said, always reassure the person that you love them that you're happy 
that you have them in your life and then bring up the issue. And I think that's, it's smart. It sounds stupid, but it's smart because if you just go like ballistic, like I can't stand your dirty socks near the bed. I've had it with this. I'm going to make you eat them. If you do this, (laughs) it's not going to be pretty. So, (laughs) so there's a way to bring up issues that's better than another way. Yeah. Well, yeah. And there's that, but you know, um, it makes me laugh because there's a, there's a lot of things that you do do in the beginning and then that kind of changes over time. Right. So like the first few years you do it that way and then you kind of get, you know, more comfortable with each other. And then those things can be dangerous where they fly out and, and the annoyance kicks in or, you know, you have kids, you were up all night, you know, taking care of the kids that are sick or whatever. And then, you know, whatever pet peeve he brings up is more of an annoyance. It's a right? bigger mountain than it So you have be. to yeah. be m- even more careful of, of your tongue and, and acknowledging the, the issue, even if you are tired and whatnot. And, you know, to also be aware that, you know, like, like we were saying, you know, sometimes you have to let things slide. You know, there's wisdom in that. There's certain things that are not that important. And, you know, the person has been having a hard time dealing with a certain thing maybe with a certain kid you know you don't want to always be you know hammering on the head either so yeah. so there's important things but we're, we're basically saying don't bottle up anything that's really important or no. that keeps on coming back yeah because oftentimes that will build in bitterness resentment and and, and it's a good point that you're making too to not make mount, uh, mountains out of molehills because the devil is good at that too yeah the devil will make you focus on for example let's take the dirty socks again makes you focus and it's going to make you build resentment and bitterness over stupidities and like when you think about it it's not that big of a deal it's not a marriage breaker to have dirty socks in your bed but the devil is an expert at make at blowing it up in your mind and in your heart so that these things accumulate and it can really severely derail your marriage if you're not careful so always mind your character mind your uh, what you're allowing to uh, seethe in your heart and mind also. Yeah. So so it's, it's great to bring up issues. It's great to discuss things. It's great to, to, to love the other one and make sure that, that what's important to them becomes important to you. But you also want to be reasonable. You don't want to make mountains out of molehills. If the person is good at, 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 at all kinds of other stuff and you have to put up with a tiny little thing, well, guess what? You can... Oftentimes we can put up with a lot for a very long time if we do it in love. For example, dirty socks near the bed. Uh, that's again, I'm bringing that up because it might be a common issue with many married people. Uh, you know, you can put up with that for, for 20 years. It's not a marriage. It's not a deal breaker. Mm-hmm. If the person you can see they're consistent in their effort and love for you and they care about you and they do a, a ton of other stuff. Great. Well, yeah. if they fail that's at that, a, guess what? You can let it slide. Exactly. That's a very different thing from, for example, if he goes out um, parties on, with his friends. on Friday yeah. and Saturday nights or most weekends leaves you alone because he's going out to party with his buddies and says, you know, you that's can, a big issue. You could come along, but you don't want to go to these things. So you stay at home because it's not what you want to do. You want to go out with your husband alone, right? So that is more of a deal breaker. That's a deal That's breaker. a more important thing because you're like, well, I didn't get married to be, you know, to work from Monday to Friday and then be alone on Saturday because he thinks it's more important going golfing with his buddies or yeah. whatever well, it that, is, that's right? A, that's also a maturity issue. And I, I find guys struggling with this a lot more. Oftentimes a, a man, if he marries and he's young, he's going to think he can have his cake and eat it too. <laughs> his cake and eat it two if her name is edith <laughs> so the point is some guys who are immature will think they think that they can still live the bachelor life on the side and have their wife waiting at home for them and i remember in the uh, we had a youth group meeting when i was in my 20s and uh it was to prepare us for marriage and the elders did a great job at the time of, of really giving us all the, the, the this that juicy stuff but the the elder in question he said you know what guys he says i want to talk to you right now he says when you get married, he says, don't take this bad. Don't take, don't take this the wrong way. But she becomes your best friend. So friendships, they're not necessarily over. But the way you used to do friendships or the way you used to yeah. conduct yourself with friends, 
that 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 takes a backseat now because your wife becomes your best friend, the person you're going to spend the most of your time with. And yeah. that's the way it should be. So there's a lot of people who think that their career for some people, their, their, their mistress is their career. You know, mm-hmm. there's a lot of men the and of women. Time that they spend there's men work. and women who who have a huge busy career before marriage, and they get married. And guess what? That doesn't change. They're still not spending time with their spouse. Well, guess what? There now there's a problem. So you I, have to make yeah. that time a priority. I know. I know guys also that used to work out a lot um, before they were with somebody, and then all of a sudden they get married, and they think that they can work out the same amount of hours. Now, I know you're thinking, well, that shouldn't change because I'm taking care of my person and that's important for my health and this and that. But, you know, there's other priorities. So, you know, taking care of your health uh, can be done in a way that's less extremist. So, for example, if well, you the, were the, per, the, the persons you're referring to, the, they, they were like bodybuilder yeah, types. So like they spent maybe two, three hours a day in the, in gym. the gym. Exactly. And two, that's three a hours that's a, a day in a gym is a lot for somebody that's married, right? Yeah. So there could be like an old, like, uh, let's say, for example, uh, you would you would cut two, two, three days in the week, or you would do it at different hours and there's where you nothing know she's wrong. at work and or there, she's gone. See, the gym thing is overrated. I've always mm-hmm. thought so. Like, there's nothing wrong with, with doing your, your workout regimen at home. Some people can buy equipment. Uh, if you have a big, big house or a, um, a basement where you can yeah, but stuff. some people you can have a bench yeah, there you can do some stuff you can there. do that but a lot of but people some want people, to I leave know. because they want to be elsewhere mentally and they want to unwind and whatever and, and i i understand I that. that because i'm a lot like that but however you know it, it's the amount of time you have to yeah. look at your week and schedule it so that there's time with your spouse to have quality time date night yeah you know things that are important and then say, okay, well, you know, I may not be able to work as many hours as I used to, but I'll get this much hours in my week. Yeah. So you're not like completely saying, well, that person's taking over my life and I have no more time for myself at all, but yeah. you're also making time for them. And again, it, it comes down to discussing this with your spouse too. I mean, your spouse might actually say, I like it when you go to the gym for two hours because I get time to do such and such. So it might be your like uh, your yeah, daily separation be, time where might, you get to accomplish. Exactly. More. She might like painting at that time or whatever, and then say, well, I'm going to paint at that time. And then we both had our quiet time, exactly. uh, you know, away from each other. And then we'll meet and we'll do this together. There you right? go. Yeah. Or, or we'll do, we'll schedule this, you know, this day we do nothing of that. We don't do any weight training and we go out for a date night or whatever. We have the kids babysat. Now, Liz, I'd like you to address uh, in the beginning of our marriage, we were both very committed to our marriage. Okay. Mm -hmm. We both had a, um, an idea of what we wanted to become as a couple. And we both had couples that we saw in the church that we admired. They were like, yeah, that's a good model. I'd like to be like them. And, I, and, and so, um, but we also had backgrounds. We also had a lot of things to learn. Yeah. Uh, but the thing is, in the beginning of our marriage, we both were committed to praying regularly. Yes. For the Lord, the Lord to give us, to, to help us to achieve a strong marriage. Now, I'd like you to dive into that. What are the components when you pray that prayer? See, there's prayers in guys in life that that they may seem innocent. They're dangerous. They can be dangerous. Now, I'm not <laughs> saying that's a day. I don't, I'm not trying to scare you. We should all pray for a stronger marriage. We should all be committed to a stronger marriage. But there's prayers that we don't really understand what it means when we're praying. I remember I read a when we're praying for a stronger marriage, uh, we don't understand the components of what it takes to have a stronger yeah. marriage. So I remember We're naive a, when a, we start a little bit naive. I remember reading an illustration in a book. It was very interesting. It was a, a, a young a guy in ministry and he had a mentor, an older, wiser pastor. And he came to see him and he says, um, Oh, uh, he came to see him and says, I really want a more devout prayer life and a, a more, a stronger relationship with the Lord. Like uh, you want, he says, I want it steel strong. He says, very well, young man, I will pray that you have trials. He says, whoa, whoa no, 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 that's not what I asked for. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I said, I want a better devotional life and a stronger relationship with the Lord. He says, very well, I understood you clearly. I will pray that you have more trials. And the kid's like, what? Moral of the story is when you pray to have a stronger marriage, it's not necessarily going to be like that. I'm not trying to scare you, but it might very well be like that. So when you pray for a stronger marriage, 
you could expect some seasons of turbulent seas come your way and you're going to be like, now, what just happened? Because we then, think in our little minds, if I pray for a stronger man, I'll have a harmonious marriage. Yeah. Now, a harmonious <laughs> marriage and a strong marriage are not necessarily the same thing. Now, you can have a very strong and harmonious marriage, which I, I is my prayer for you guys. But when you pray for a strong marriage, Liz, take it from here. What's going to happen? <laughs> What's in box number one? Yeah, so, you know, that was our prayer for the couple first few years of our marriage. We had a lot of things that, uh, you know, just came our way and we were like, whoa, what is this? Like, there's a lot of, and I'm not even talking about issues, you know, that have to do with us personally, but, you know, uh, the the in-laws fighting, you know, and, and all kinds of stuff that would, uh, you know, job-wise would happen with our bosses. And it, it was just like putting so much stress on us. And we were fighting more because of it. And so we'd pray, Lord, you know, strengthen our marriage, strengthen our marriage so that we stay strong. Because, you know, we both didn't want to split up. We knew that marriages were fragile. We've seen other people, you know, um, crumble and, and separate and whatnot. And we're like, we don't want to end up like that. So, Lord, strengthen our marriage. And so we noticed that, you know, the heat was going pretty high, it was, like it was pretty on. high in our marriage in the first couple of five and, years. And, and, and we're not talking good bedroom heat. We're, we're talking another type of heat. And, here. It, and it was like, you know, even with our, our work shifts, like the decisions we were making Everything. and the things that we were faced with was so difficult. At one point in, in the first year of our marriage, it's like everything was set up for us to not function. Well, like for let, us me, to not let me work. just address that for a second. She's right. The first year, of marriage, it's like it seems everything was set up for us to fail. Yeah. And what I mean by that is it's proven statistically, okay, that the three biggest marriage breakers are, in no particular order, money problems, in-law problems, and sexual problems. And guess what? We seem to be fighting all three. So we were going crazy out of our minds saying, but we've been praying for a stronger marriage. What's going on? Yeah, all kinds <laughs> of stuff were happening, health issues, um, even job-wise. He was working on an evening shift. He yeah. couldn't get a day shift. I was working on a day shift. So we barely saw each other during the week. We basically actually didn't see each other because when um, I would – get yeah, up to no, go to work really bad he yeah. was still sleeping we didn't, we didn't see each he other had, all week he'd finish at 11 30 be home at 12 i would get up really early i would be home in the afternoon he was already gone for work so you know from monday to friday we didn't see each other and then we had the weekend that was it and that was like yay try to build a good marriage on, on you've been kind weekend. of you've been building up resentment all week long because of your life situation okay uh, and frustration and now on weekends you have to live bliss for two days and then i remember on sunday nights we'd get depressed well like i can't believe this is starting over again uh you just remember we just got married so yeah. we were but but that's our particular situation it's not necessarily everybody so I, i'd like to address more like what touches yeah. on everybody so yeah so there's you know all kinds of issues and you know we're praying lord strengthen our marriage strengthen our marriage why is this happening why are we going through such uh difficult things and all kinds of you know, things that were like, why aren't our parents, like, why are they causing so much trouble for us on both sides? And didn't understand, like, the whole spiritual component mm -hmm. when, you know, years later, when we, we, you know, God, God always brought us through it and um, strengthened us through the, the process because, you know, he was refining us. He was allowing certain things to happen. And, you know, a lot of people think that God's going to like inflict things and he, God no, he doesn't, doesn't do that. The devil inflicts things. Yes. You know, the devil sees who he's dealing with. He sees the hearts of the people uh, that he's dealing with, the Christians that are on fire for God. Um, he sees your relationship with Christ. He sees how much you love each other. And so some couples are more of a threat also because of the anointing they carry um, different things like that. And so he's not stupid. He's looked at humanity for many, many years. Thousands of years. Yeah. And so he's like, you know what? They're a danger to my kingdom. Yeah. So let me throw more of that crap at their, their way so I can make sure that they fall apart. 
and they won't be a threat for my kingdom anymore. There you go. And see, you know, we've been doing Thriving on Purpose for seven years. Like we never even thought back then that we would start something like this, that we would have a ministry where we help the body of Christ in different areas and personal growth, leadership and faith and, and kingdom knowledge. Like we didn't know any of that back then, right? So, but no but you know, it's foolish to think that the devil doesn't know some somewhat. You know, ever hear of divination? Well, he does know somewhat of oh, what's going to happen in the future. He's very good at predicting the future based on past trends or present trends. Yeah. So, so he's an expert predictor. So you know, of so what it, so will it, happen? Yeah. So the devil, you know, knows who's a threat and who isn't. So you have to keep that in mind. But, you know, the, the biggest thing I think that helped us is that we both had a heart to serve God, to please God. We had the fear of the Lord. Um, you know, we both really, really wanted um, it to work. And that's what what really super glued. Every time things went really, really bad, we always were, okay, you know, either together or separately, both prayed for each other and um and and for the issues and and always kept god involved yes. in, in the process never saying well you know i'm just gonna forget my my time with god and just you know do my thing and hope that you know my human methods are going to work because there's a lot of spiritual components that you don't see and you know we didn't understand all that we didn't understand at the time how the devil operated um, you know, for example, you know, never, you know, when the Bible says never go to bed angry. Um, angry, well, there's a reason for that. You know, the don't, demonic, don't, don't let the sunset, the demonic angry. realm is very, very active in the evening and at night. And if you're going to spend time talking about your issues late at night into the wee hours of the morning, guess what's going to happen? It's not going to be good. Right. And so we would notice these things like, OK, let's not talk about any important issues past nine. We'd, we'd say that to ourselves, especially because me. I, I go to bed things. earlier than she does. So I'm, I started that trend. I was like, you yeah. know what, Liz, if we start this, I'm going to sleep all night. But let's make a date tomorrow morning with coffee to set time yeah, apart and, where we're going to discuss that very issue. And, and, you know, sometimes you're in the heat of the moment. You're frustrated. You want to discuss it now. But we had to learn, you know, to have that maturity. And he would tell me, you know, I love you. This doesn't change anything in our relationship. I still love you. We're going to resolve this. We're going to discuss it. It's okay. We're going to talk about it tomorrow morning. And and, and we would. Yeah. And then it's like, you know, all of a sudden you could see clearer, right? It's the morning. Yeah. You're refreshed. And <laughs> so you have a good easier. night's sleep. Yeah. You're not as tired. And then you can discuss it. Or make a you know, specific time in the day where you're going to talk about it. And not let time go by. So, but you don't go to bed angry and no. like resenting each other and building up that resentment and bitterness. That's the difference, yeah. right? And also another thing that I've noticed that the devil loves to do is one of the best ways to break up a Christian couple, uh, if they both were Christians when they got married, is to get only one of them to backslide. Mm -hmm. If he gets one of them to backslide, guess what? everything becomes fair game and very possible for the marriage to break up. Yeah. So if you're both committed Christians, if you're both make it a priority to, to, uh, to keep your relationship with the Lord strong and all that, and, and do what you need to do to, to do that. Well, chances are you're going to be very tough nut to crack. And uh, that's perfectly what we want, that we want that strong marriage. That's a tough enough to crack. We want it. In, in fact, we want to have such a strong marriage that, that you know that he's tried pretty much, everything it didn't work and he's, he leaves you alone after that so uh that's what you want to get to but that's not easy that yeah. is very and, hard and so that this is why we called it that you know there is a price to pay there is a we price. cannot think that we will do no efforts and that you know we're just going to do a little compromise here and there and it's just going to all work out there mm -hmm. is a lot more to take into account um you know there's the struggles that you go through because you're developing right you're maybe you got married, you were young and you're growing up in maturity and you're, um, you know, realizing what's important to you in life. And, and sometimes, you know, these things don't always align together. And that's where it's important to always talk about things together and pray that God aligns you in similar uh, desires and similar things that, that you want for each other so that there's not one that goes off course and says, well, this is what I want in my life. And this is what I want in my life. And, you know, really understanding like uh, a kingdom picture of, you know, the ultimate goal of a kingdom marriage is really to have um, a common goal together that you both work at mm -hmm. and have um, both of your uh, strengths and spiritual insights and spiritual gifts 
working towards that common goal. And it's to ask, you know, Lord, because God always has a purpose for each and every one of us. And sometimes it could be slightly different for him and for her. It could be quite different. Uh, uh, there both. can be lanes where he calls you to do something specific. For example, let's say, uh, the, you know, you can't, you overcame a certain thing and, and you're the, the, you know, you feel God calling you to have a ministry to help women. Well, obviously he's not going to be in that picture, right? But maybe he's called to do something with men. Or maybe you both will come together with another common thing that you're going to work together and you're going to do your ministry thing with the, the women on the side. And, and then that other common goal you're going to do together as a couple. Mm -hmm. You know, we, we do some of that together. Yeah, we, we have a lot of things that are separate, more, but we have a lot of things that are in common as well. Yeah. So, you know, like Sebastian has more of a gifting for Bible teaching and for um, book writing. So that's more of his strength. So he does a lot more of that and thriving on purpose. And I have, you know, more of a prophetic side and sometimes more of, a, you know, insights into to what's needed in the body of Christ and this and that. And we'll talk about it and then yeah. we'll build um, a, a teaching based on, you know, what the Lord uh, prophetically showed me. And sometimes it's both of us, right? God's going to give him downloads. And it's like he works through both of us, but just in different ways. And then, you yeah. know, you guys see the the outcome of whatever that teaching was. So, and there's a lot of implication, you know, there's a lot of like, um, you know, I do a lot of technical stuff for thriving on purpose and a lot of other things that he doesn't have to worry about. So, you know, God will give us strengths and creative juices and, and spiritual gifts and all that. And they could all come together. If you ask the Lord, you know, what, Father, what do you want us to do? Like as a couple, as a kingdom couple, yeah. how do you want us to help the body of Christ? Or what is it that we can do that can help? You know, you might both be doing something that can help, uh, you know, children that don't have parents, that don't have uh, good role models. You know, there's all kinds of programs out there. Uh, that exists that are trying to help in the in the Christian world, trying to help kids that didn't have any uh, good solid parents, you know. And sometimes you have struggles of your own. Maybe you can't have your own kids, and God is calling you to help other kids that are in need that don't have parents, right? That's true. And, and you know what? Speaking of uh, different giftings, different areas of, of where we work, uh, Elizabeth is the one in charge of making this beautiful hat right there, Kingdom Patriot. You see it good. Yeah, it's nice hat. Yeah, some people right now, it's summertime, you might want a nice little hat. Liz is going to put the link in the comments so you can click on that link and see uh, all the good stuff that is available at the Thriving on Purpose shop. Um, yeah, you can go to thrivingonpurpose.com and just click on the word shop and you'll be led to, to our store. As you were talking, there was stuff that I was seeing. You know what? Mm -hmm. There's ingredients also. You can't overcomplicate things if you don't have a strong marriage. There's ingredients that are basic, basic, basic that every marriage needs. One of them is unselfishness. Unselfishness. There is not one selfish marriage that I know of that has a strong marriage. Yeah. You cannot have selfishness and a strong marriage is just mutually exclusive. It doesn't work together. So every strong marriage that you will see, they have this in common. All the 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 the, the people in the couple involved, the spouse, the spouses, they're unselfish. That's number one. Number two, love and respect. Mm -hmm. Love and respect. Very important to have both love and respect because you can have love without respect. And you can have respect without love. You need both. Okay. Yeah. And uh, I remember there was a book out there called Love and Respect. It's a marriage book. Very good uh, point the author makes. He's basically saying that the, uh, the oxygen hose for a woman to thrive in marriage is love. So there's like right straight through her heart, there's a big uh, hose that's connected that, that you, you pump love in there, the woman's going to be fine. Now, the mistake that we make is we think if you're a woman, you think, well, love makes me thrive. So I'm going to shower my husband with love. But I'm going to disrespect him once in a while. That, that's, that, that's, there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, that's what the women might think. But see, for the husband, they know they're loved when they're respected. Mm -hmm. Oh, see, you know you're loved when you're loved. But for the husband, he knows he's loved when he's respected. And for, for most men, respect 
comes through an acknowledgement of what they do. You know, they provide, they, they're responsible, they take care of the house. They so if the woman acknowledges that in any way, you know, well, you, 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 you made such a nice lawn, I baked you a cake. Thank you. Just an example. <laughs> if you have an acre of land like me and you work hard, I, I always appreciate that when I, when I work hard to, to, to manicure the land, it's always a good two hours and a half. I'm exhausted. It's, it's sunny out there. It's very, so I get in, I'm tired. And oftentimes Liz will say, I made you some good lemonade or I made you a sandwich. Not a sandwich, a sandwich. Very different. So much better. Anyway, <laughs> so the point is for a man, respect is huge. For a woman, love is huge. So make sure you don't get those crossed. Another simple thing uh, makes me think of the five love languages. Mm -hmm. it, the five love languages didn't become the best-selling marriage book of all time by accident. It's because the author had supernatural Holy Spirit-led insight that showed him the love languages of people. And there's five of those. I argue, sometimes I tell Liz, I think there's six, six. I think there's the cooking should have been involved in there because there's a cooking <laughs> love language that's very, very important. But anyway, but that's acts of service. So so there's these five. I don't have them. I, what, what were the five love languages, Lizzie? Acts of service, words of words affirmation, of affirmation. Uh, physical uh, hugs, like yeah. uh, affection. Yeah, affection. Uh, oh, wait, wait. Uh, t quality time. Quality time, yeah. And what's the last one? Did I say words of affirmation? Mm -hmm. Yes, I did, because that's the one I love the most. <laughs> anyway, there was five. There's five. I, I highly recommend that book by Gary Chapman, The Five Love Languages. You can't go wrong with that book. If you want to strengthen your marriage, read that, apply it, especially and, apply and to, it. Yeah, and to, to really because pinpoint by reading that what the love language of the other person is. And sometimes it can be a combination of two. It doesn't always. Oh, yeah. It's not always just one. Yeah, usually, usually it's more than one. And here's the thing. In, our, in the beginning of our marriage, I had to decode that, hey, because the problem we do as, as newlyweds is oftentimes we think that our love language is universal. Yeah. I love, love words of affirmation and um, physical affection, like hugs and all that. So I thought, Liz, if I give her a hug and I tell her she's, she's done a great job today with the, the meal for supper, She's gonna she's gonna be on a seventh heaven, but no, it didn't work out like that. Guess what? Her words of her, her uh, love language was not words, it was acts of service. And for the first year of our marriage, until I cracked the code, I was and in the doghouse and quality time and quality time. And until I cracked that code, I was in the doghouse. I, <laughs> I kid you not. But when I cracked the code, oh guys, it was magical. I washed the dishes. I did all kinds of stuff that I thought was just for women. <laughs> and I started doing that, taking care of, of, of doing acts of service. My marriage went to the next level. It was just absolutely amazing. And we did that in the first uh, first, first few first years, years yeah. barely seeing each other. Yeah. Where, you know, he would do certain things. Yeah. I would write him notes. And, yeah. and we tried to, you know, even if it wasn't perfect, we tried to show those acts of, of of language, uh, of love language, we tried to respect that in yeah. each other when we discovered them. And that helped, you know, super glue the marriage. Because, Absolutely. Like I said, we had a lot of ingredients working against us, our family, our families, one side wasn't saved, one side was didn't, you know, agree on a lot of things yeah. there, it was a lot of friction a lot of fights for nothing. But you know, it was the enemy working to, to split us and up you know, through the, 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 what are you, I'm looking for the word, <laughs> the trials, not the difficulties, parents, but the um, the challenges, the step parent, not the step parents, what am I? Uh, parent, uh, in laws, in laws, laws, yeah, yeah. So basically, it comes down to what I was saying at the beginning. If you apply yourself at your spouse's love languages, good, what are you doing? Well, you're basically making important what's important to them, yeah. That that's the, the, the key element here. So, it, so it's 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 simple. So, like all that. of this takes work. Oh man, this is yeah. what we're saying. It, it takes you need to it basically crucify your own flesh mm -hmm. and 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 make the other's needs as important, if not more important, than your own. Yeah. So it needs sacrifice. You're gonna need to sacrifice time, you're gonna need to sacrifice energy, you're gonna need to do this, and but the fruit will be there. Even, the fruit will be there. Even if you have the 40-hour job, even yeah. if you have the kids to take care of, you know, it just makes it harder when you have more responsibility. But 
the more that you do it, the more you get better at doing it, the yeah. more it becomes easier to do it, the more you get rewards from doing it. There's blessings that come with that. Yeah. Um, and, you know, when, when we're talking, being, uh, talking about not being selfish, the opposite of that is being selfless, right? Exactly. And so there's also a middle ground between that because you don't want to uh, be so selfless that you don't, um, you don't, you know, acknowledge that you have your own needs and you do need certain things. For example, if you're super selfless, you're like, I'm just going to do everything for him. He's going to love me, you know, like crazy. And we have this blissful marriage. But in reality, you're sacrificing a lot of time that you used to give to uh, taking care of your, your person, let's say, and you need like, I don't know, uh, you know, one night a week where you do a certain thing for yourself and take care of yourself and and, and whatnot. And you forego that you're like, Oh, it's not important. I can just spend time with him and we can do this as a family. And that's, that can work. But over time, you're going to feel that you're neglecting yourself in that area. Yeah. And then you might blow up and say, well, I never have time for myself and blah, 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 blah. Right. So yeah. it's, so it's having that middle ground where you are selfless enough to, to pour that love and acts of service and all that, but are able to say to the person, well, you know, tonight, why don't we do separate things, separate ways? You know, you can do whatever it is you want to do. And I'm going to, you know, take care of myself and read a book, go take a bath or whatever it is. And, that's and maybe he's going to take care of the kids. Maybe you've got lots of kids and he's going to say, you know, I understand that time's important for you. I'm going to take the kids bowling. I'm going to go do whatnot. And, and I'm going to put them to bed. And, and just that is like, wow to her. You yeah. Know? And quality time guys can also be quality time alone. So sometimes, especially when you have a family and you're busy and it, and you don't have a lot of time to, you yourself. know, you want, you want couple quality time, you want date night and all that, but sometimes you just need, especially guys, we need cave time. And uh, you have to figure out a way to get that cave time to resource, recenter yourselves. Uh, men, we need that cave time. What I mean by that is that, you know, there's a term called man cave, but uh, there's, there's a reason why that exists is because men need that time where they are disconnected from everything that demands energy from them so that they can recenter, resource, and fill back up to go at it again that's how men are made we need that time when we're uh on on um, yeah on, yeah and, on, on, on hooking and there's different ways else. that that presents itself you know some i've spoken to some women they're like oh my husband likes to go fishing and yeah but well, you know she notices that when he goes fishing he comes back and he's actually talking to her about god and he actually felt connected spiritually to yeah. the lord because he was like completely disconnected in the quietness and the there Lord was speaking to him. Yeah. So, you know, you can't decide what a person's going to do it. They're going to find whatever works for them. And, you know, for some women, it might be going to the gym and just working out or going hiking yeah. or going bike riding or whatever, going swimming. And that's what helps them to recenter and refocus and have some time alone to think and talk to God and just do their thing and, and, you know, be sporty or whatever it is that they do. Um, and so you, you just have to respect whatever that is for the other person. So I think you guys, we're reaching 55 minute mark. I think we've given you a ton of great things to apply because this is not just nice sounding words and it's really recipe. It's really a recipe and yeah. looking at your own marriage and being like, what's been missing in my marriage? Has it been, have I, have I been ignoring, have I been too selfish? Have I, uh, I've been ignoring quality time with my spouse. Have I been not uh, loving or respecting them? Uh, have I, you know, whatever it might be, we need to correct self-correct course. So we need to be able to look in the mirror and be like, okay, here's where I've been at fault. Me, myself and I, here's where I've been at fault in this. I need to correct my course because oftentimes the problem is we point the fingers just like Adam did. And when God says, what happened here? And he goes like, well, the woman you gave me, here's what she did. And so she it started. Made me the apple. So it started there and it kept on going. And we still have our, our, our sin nature that, that tends to do that. So you don't want to do that. You want to look at yourself in the mirror and be strong enough to look at yourself, acknowledge the fault and correct it. So self-correction and pray. If you don't, if you don't know it, pray, Lord, show me on my ugly side, show me where I've missed a bark in my own marriage so that I may correct it. And, and, uh, work at it yeah and you know um going back to the point um i just wanted to say going yeah. back to the point of respect 
Um, you know, that is really, really huge. And, you know, in the world that we live in, the reason why I talk about that is because the world that we live in, um, the society, you listen, you open the radio, you open the TV, whatever you're going to watch, it's always going to teach the woman to disrespect her husband, to tell him off when she's not feeling well, to um, basically discredit everything that he does. Everything that she does is more important. Everything he does is not important. Because they portray men as big doofuses everywhere. Yeah. But, you know, when you see your husband is trying and, you know, some men are not great at this in the beginning and it takes work at it. But if you um, if you, you know, give words of affirmation and and respect him when he is trying to take uh, the right path in a certain direction and you back him up, more of that's going to happen. More confidence is going to build yeah. more of uh, a, a better relationship is going to build and he's going to he's going to develop differently and grow closer in his manhood and in his walk with God and have more confidence in himself. And you're going to be, um, you know, you're going to want to respect him even more. So, so feed what you want more of. Yeah. Feed what you want more of. Honey, you did this today. Thank you so much. I love when you do this. Oh, you just fed it. Yeah. And guess what? It will probably show up again. So do that and, and your marriage and is going to help. And, you know, even talking about your emotions for some men, like we were talking about earlier, it's for some men, it's difficult to even open up and talk about yeah. their feelings because they're dealing with so many different issues. And for them, it's hard for them to be raw and real. And it, it like you were saying to me in the kitchen, for some men, it's like me admitting that I have this issue is a big um it's a big step down yeah. mentally for some men. It, it's a, almost a step down yeah, to that be would, open. That would be for a whole other other yeah. episode to, to, to tackle this because uh, yeah. yeah, there's some, some men won't open up to their wives because they feel weak. If they do, they feel like they're not being manly enough. If they, they talk about their struggles or whatnot, but this can cause a huge rift in a marriage. See women are communication experts of the race. So let's not kid ourselves here. The, the women, women speak more words a day. They talk more. They, they, ex, they express more. So men uh, need to level up and begin expressing how they feel a bit more. I'm not saying you need to become like a woman, but you need to become more open with your wife about your personal struggles and, and what you're, what's making you, like if you're unhappy, what's making you unhappy? Why are you so uh, mean to, to me and the kids? Tell me what, what's going on here. So, so you need to open up. And I know for guys, it's, it's kind of hard for us to, to be like, well, here's what I've been struggling with. And it's really been affecting my sleep. It's been affecting my, my mindset. I've been, I've been thinking about it at night. It's keeping me up, keeping yeah. me up. So, so gonna, guess what? If your wife loves you. She's going to be like, Hey, let's pray about this right now. Let's do this. Like I, I yeah. love you and I support you. Yeah. And we're going to do a whole other broadcast on that very issue because a yeah. lot of those feelings that um, you know, that you may be having our root problem in your, in your, uh, in your purpose, in your identity, uh, in your manhood. And so that's a whole other broadcast yeah. to, to really, um, go in, in the depth of that and really help you guys out. So we'll do another broadcast on that. Amen to that. So I hope that this broadcast has helped you, blessed you. If it has, make sure you click that like button, make sure you click subscribe, make sure you share it with friends or whoever might benefit from this teaching and we will see you next yeah, time and go check out thrivingonpurpose.com. we have um you'll see uh a, the academy a, yeah in the navigation bar you're gonna see the master class button and you can see all the courses and the different things that we have to offer Absolutely. digital downloads and stuff for you guys yes so be blessed and thrive on